So Luke 1, starting at verse 39 and reading through 45. We left Mary and the angel, and now we're at what comes next. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women! Blessed is the child you will bear. But why, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, that cry was well-timed. Whoever's baby that was, that was perfect. The last time we heard of Elizabeth, or from Elizabeth, was right after Zechariah's encounter with the angel in the temple. Her husband returned to her from his regular rotation of work, her husband returned to her without a voice. (laughs) And with bright and bewildered eyes, tears on his face, and when he came in the front door, he hugged her so hard, like a man who just touched the ground after being at sea for way too long. And, And when Zed was finally able to communicate to her what happened, why he lost his voice, Elizabeth finally understood the story of Abraham and Sarah. Finally understood that moment where Sarah was in the back of a tent hearing an angel tell her husband, you're going to have a child. And what did Sarah do? Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed. You will give birth to a baby that longed-for bundle of joy that you had given, hope, given up hope on, that's going to be yours. And just like Sarah, Elizabeth laughs. I can imagine her laughter, just laughter in the midst of bewilderment and confusion, laughter in the midst of long years of sorrow and pain and longing, Laughter from unexpected joy and maybe tinged with just a little bit of fear that maybe the promise is just too good to be true. But then for Elizabeth, the promise of the Lord is fulfilled. And she feels life in her body and this post-menopausal pregnant woman declares In scripture, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor. 
and he has taken away my disgrace among the people. But then she does something kind of unexpected. Elizabeth says earlier in chapter one that he has taken away the disgrace among, her disgrace among the people. And then what does she do next? Luke tells us that she goes into seclusion. She pulls away from her community. After years of hurt and shame, as her friends and family and neighbors grew, their households and their families grew, and they welcomed their children's children, even as she says her disgrace has been taken away, Elizabeth pulls away. Why? Was she embarrassed by her pregnant elderly body? Was she fearful of the words of others because they had hurt her so often before? Those well-intentioned but hurtful remarks that others make about situations that are out of the ordinary, that don't look like everybody else's? Why does she pull away? And it makes me wonder what their home was like in those months. She doesn't just pull away for a day or a week. She, she pulls herself away from her community for five months. She has a husband unable to talk. Not a whole lot of conversation going on. And she has firmly shut her front door. Closed it to neighbors, to family. And she just watches her belly grow. And I wonder if, if maybe, maybe part of why she pulls away is that she still hasn't quite fully accepted that it's real. Maybe she, she holds her breath every morning until she feels the baby kick. Maybe she has to work each day to trust that what is happening is happening. And she can't handle any more disappointments. And so she keeps it to herself. I wonder, out of protection? And her baby grows day by day in a lonely house in the hill country of Judea. Until our story this morning. Until one day her front door bursts open, no knock, and Elizabeth is too pregnant to get up quickly. And so she hears a familiar voice entering her home. And at the sound of the greeting of that voice, she actually can't get up anymore because her son kicks so strongly, she's put right back in her chair. And in rushes her cousin Mary. With that same bright and bewildered expression that Zed wore on the day he came back from the temple. And their eyes meet this young one and this old one, and Elizabeth knows. And she laughs, <laughs> at what the Lord has done. At her young cousin, <laughs> at the part that she now knows she's to play. And she laughs, 
at the feeling of that sun moving in her body. And in that moment, Elizabeth breaks five months of silence. She breaks the silence of that house and she fills it with words of blessing and erupting joy. Mary, how blessed are you among women? How blessed, how precious is the child you bear? But dear one, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, the one promised for so long, has come to me? I know, I don't know how I know, but I know I know in my bones what the Lord is doing. For as soon as I heard your voice come into my silent home, I knew I knew and my son knows and leaped for joy. Just like the angel said he would. I know, I know what the Lord has done. And then Elizabeth, through laughter and tears, pronounces her own blessing, her own beatitude on the two of them. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. In that quiet little house in the hill country of Judea fills with the presence of the Holy Spirit as these two women share their stories of joy. I'm always amazed at the presence of this story in Luke's gospel. It is a small, it is a tiny gem of a story, and it's tucked in between angelic appearances and cosmic actions, and it doesn't really need to be here, does it? The birth announcements have happened, And all that really needs to happen next for the story to move forward is that those babies need to be born. You can move from birth announcement to birth. These mothers do not need to meet. And we certainly don't require an account of it to get the general gist of the gospel story. Luke could have gone straight from the angel appearing to Mary straight to Elizabeth giving birth to John, maybe keeping in Mary's song in there. But this small, tiny story doesn't really need to be here from a story perspective. Any editor might have come alongside Luke and said, you know, you could cut this part out because we really want to get to the juicier action pieces of the story, right? Like, let's, let's hustle us along to Bethlehem. But the story is here for us. A small and seemingly insignificant aside between two pregnant mothers. A small and seemingly inconsequential moment sandwiched between much more dramatic happenings. It 
except for the fact that God has led them both to this moment. God has led them to each other. Their meeting is not accidental to Luke's story or to God's unfolding plan or to either of them. When Mary expresses bewilderment about how she's supposed to be pregnant while still a virgin, in, in response, the angel reveals to her that Elizabeth is also pregnant when she shouldn't be. And the angel gives Mary the story of Elizabeth as a sign, a sign for her that no word from God will fail. And so, knowing Elizabeth's story, Mary rushes off to visit her. And this is no quick trip across town. (laughs) Elizabeth lives in the hill country of Judea. It's about 100 kilometers away from Mary. That's a four-day journey with good weather. But Mary, Mary sets out. She gets ready, she packs up. And she travels kilometer by kilometer by kilometer by kilometer until she arrives at Elizabeth's front door. Unannounced, unexpected, unnecessary. Why does Mary rush off to Elizabeth? She's not told to by the angel. She's just, the angel mentions it as a sign to her that look, God does also other impossible things. But Mary rushes off with with the, the, immediate obedience as if she was told to go visit Elizabeth. Some theologians, I think kind of uncharitably, speculate that this actually shows a lack of faith on Mary's part. That the words of the angel weren't enough for this young woman. That she had to see with her own eyes the other miracle uh, pregnancy that Elizabeth, who was barren and couldn't have children, was far too old to have one, was in fact pregnant. And she needed that in order to accept the impossibility of her own. Is it a lack of faith on Mary's part? She has to go see and prove that what the angel said was true so it could be true for her. Is that what's going on? I mean, I think Mary's human enough to seek confirmation of impossible words of an angel appearing to her. But I don't consider that lack of faith. But I wonder if what makes her pack and go on a long journey to see Elizabeth, to burst through her front door, I wonder if it is her deep and overwhelming joy. Not lack of faith, but joy. That Mary needs to share with another person who won't dismiss what's happening to her. Who won't disbelieve her. But who will enter into her joy with her. Who will understand it and who will celebrate it with her. And I think Elizabeth needs that too. 
shut up in her home, front door firmly closed, five months of isolation. Elizabeth needs to share her joy. She needs to share Mary's. And so God leads them to each other. God leads them to a profound sharing of joys with each other. They're stories that have been made possible by what the Lord has done. We need each other's stories of joy too. Sometimes I think we can be a bit too much like Elizabeth, where we withhold our stories of joy from one another because, well, maybe it'll hurt other people. Maybe, maybe they don't have the same experience as us, and maybe, maybe our joy can hurt others. Sometimes we stay too much like Elizabeth, not quite trusting what's happening to us. But we need each other's stories of joy. We need to share them with each other. We need each other's stories of joy to encourage each other with those times in our own stories where we see the hand of God so clearly, as clearly as Elizabeth when she looks around at her life and says, the Lord has done this. And we need to, we need each other's stories of joy with others who won't dismiss them or disbelieve them who will enter into our joy with us, who will come with celebration. And we need each other's stories of joy to serve as signs to one another of God at work in our world, of God at work in our lives, of God at work in our stories. And as the Holy Spirit filled that little quiet home in the hill country of Judea, the Holy Spirit comes to strengthen and encourage us and each other through our shared stories of joy. There's one little detail that often gets overlooked. It gets lost in between Mary's triumphal song and then Elizabeth giving birth to John. Verse 56 tells us that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. What we witness in this story is their initial greeting and sharing of their stories of joy. But it was longer than a quick conversation at the kitchen table. Mary and Elizabeth cared for one another in those months. They supported each other in those months together. For three months. Bringing Elizabeth to full term with her son and bringing Mary to the point where she would have started showing and she returned home unable to hide her pregnancy unable to hide from the comments and the judgment of others who would not understand her joy, who would not understand what the Lord has done, but who would only see her shame and her scandal. 
God led them to each other, to that support and encouragement and shared story, so that that could sustain them for what lies ahead. Because we know how their stories go, don't we? We know that Mary will see her beloved boy die like a criminal on a cross. And we know that Elizabeth, if she lived long enough, would see her longed for and promised child murdered by a corrupt and cruel government leader in a play of politics and fear. Both these women will go on to endure loss and pain in the years ahead. But their stories of joy, where we meet them and witness their joy, this story this morning, the strength that came from sharing them with each other, the encouragement and the support, that is the sustaining presence of God in their midst pointing them to God's faithfulness even when their stories would take a darker turn. The sharing, the encouragement, the support, the presence of the Holy Spirit would sustain them for wherever their stories took them. Because all of our stories of joy are not ends in themselves. But they are signs to us. They are signs to each other and to the world of that joy that is promised at the end of the story. A sign of the joy that Elizabeth's son prepared his people for in the desert the sign of the joy that's proclaimed in heaven and in earth to a manger in Bethlehem. And a sign of the joy that's anticipated, that we anticipate, when that beloved boy of Mary's returns. Returns to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Maybe your story is in a moment of joy. Maybe you, like Mary and Elizabeth, are overflowing. Or maybe your story is a bit more of a desert, or a darkness, or just kind of a middling in between. Wherever your story is at, may we remember and believe that in Jesus and our Emmanuel, all of our stories, the joyful parts and the hard parts, find their meaning and end in God's one joyful, unfolding gift and story of redemption. And wherever your story is this morning, this Advent, may the Holy Spirit sustain you 
in t- laughter, in tears. As we share our stories of joy with one another, And may the Holy Spirit sustain us as we wait for that promised return, as we anticipate and long to celebrate the fulfillment of God's promises to us, the fulfillment of God's promises to the world. And may Elizabeth's blessing loudly proclaimed over her and over Mary in that moment and meeting of joy, may it be true for all of us. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Let us pray. our Lord and author of all things. You know each of our stories. You know the chapters of grief and the chapters of joy. And you know where we are right now. I ask that you send your Holy Spirit on each of us. And send us storytellers of joy into our lives, reminding us of what you have done what you are capable of doing, and above all, reminding us that you keep your promises. Thank you for this gift of joy, for the gift of the life of Jesus, for the gift of a future hope. In the name of our Emmanuel, we pray. Amen.